Welcome to Spiritual Warfare. My name is Teresa. Hi, my name's Kay. And we are reading from the book of Signs by Dr. David Jeremiah. Why did that take so long to come out? I couldn't think, Miss Kay. She's over here mouthing the book of signs. Yes, I <laughs> So, Miss Kay, we're going to start out with Satan's personality. Revelation 12, 9 pictures Satan as a great dragon, an old serpent, the devil, and the world's deceiver. These repugnant descriptions refer not to his physical appearance, but to his character. Art and cinema often portray Satan as physically hideous, but in reality, his appearance is bright and glorious as you would expect of an archangel. That is hard to believe, isn't it? Yeah. Well, he was one of the prettiest angels in That's heaven right. as well. Even a fallen one. According to Paul, Satan transforms himself into an angel of light. Isaiah calls him Lucifer, which means the morning star. Didn't know that either. Mm-hmm. Satan is the instigator of sin, which reflects his nature appealing on the surface, but deadly when followed. Peel away his superficial attractiveness and you confront the shocking truth. He's vile, vicious, ferocious, depraved, and diabolical. Red is his traditional color, the color of blood, which stains his murderous hands. Satan's serpentine nature was on full display in Eden, where through cunning deception he plotted the annihilation of humanity and succeeded in bringing about our fall. This is why Jesus calls him a murderer, a murderer from the beginning. The word Satan means adversary, a name he notoriously lives up to being the arch enemy of God and mankind. Peter calls him a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Satan's name occurs 54 times in the Bible, 14 times in the Old Testament, and 40 in the New Testament. The New Testament also refers to Satan as the devil. The term for devil in Greek means slanderer. It's the term John uses when describing Satan as the accuser of our brethren. He acts as a corrupt prosecuting attorney, falsely accusing and defaming Christian believers, viciously intent on destroying our reputation in the courtroom of heaven. Satan is the being who deceives the whole world. Having failed to keep Christ from the world, he is now determined to keep the world from Christ. Utterly devoid of scruples or conscience, he lies, misrepresents, misrepresents and hides the truth to plant the seeds of doubt about all the reality and goodness of God. And Paul explains it. Satan has blinded people's minds, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Satan's power. John describes Satan as a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns, and seven diadems on his head. In the Bible, the number seven generally symbolizes completeness or total totality. We recognize the head 
as a seat of intelligence. Horns are often biblical symbols of strength. Therefore, the dragon's seven heads and ten horns symbolize extreme intelligence and enormous power. The diadems crowning the dragon's head symbolize a fact that surprises many people. Satan is the ruler of the world. Jesus himself tells us that the devil has a kingdom. Paul describes him as a ruler of this age, the god of this age, and the prince of power of the air. On three occasions, John calls him the prince of this world. He adds that the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. In his role as the prince of the world, Satan subjects Satan's subjects are men and women who reject Christ. As the prince of power of the air, his subjects are evil spirits in the invisible realm. In both realms, he rules over all who rebel against God. How did the Lord of Death become the Lord of the world? It certainly was not by God's appointment. Satan usurped the title from its legitimate owners, Adam and Eve. God, God charged them to fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over every living thing that moves on the earth. When the human couple rebelled against God, they lost the power to hold their kingdom, and Satan seized the throne for himself. What a deceiver. He does it all the time. And people aren't... The red juicy apple. Yes. The red Doesn't juicy it look good? Apple. And, and he's red. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that... <laughs> I did not think about that. Yeah. yeah. I didn't think about that. Satan's partners. One reason for Satan's inordinate power is the fact that he commands a vast army, which he assembled by drawing to himself a third of the stars of heaven. These stars are actually angels called stars here as they are in Job, where we're told they sang in exaltation as God created the earth. One third of these angels joined Satan in a mass rebellion against God. None of these fallen angels retain their original pre-rebellion goodness. Some have been imprisoned already. That is crazy to me wow. that he deceived them and they're already in hell imprisoned. No way out. No way out. Those that remain free function as Satan's accomplices, subverting mankind, manipulating world events and stirring up chaos to bring about the ultimate destruction of humanity. As Paul put it, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities against powers against the rulers of the darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places again miss k we do not wrestle against flesh and blood when satan puts some a person in front of you you're actually wrestling against principalities but a lot of people don't realize that and they feel that they're fighting this person but he has put a mean person in front of you to try to destroy you or bring you down or lose your faith or say something bad or say something bad that's okay. gonna make so, you mad on my way over here uh oh it's short and sweet 
<laughs> I'm driving down Home Road, and there's some apartments, and this guy is weed-eating dirt. Oh, no. It flew on your car? Cloud. I mean, there was, like, this huge cloud of just dust, and I'm thinking, what are you thinking? <laughs> But that's just a good example is that, you yeah. know what? To lose yeah. your temper and right. get right. mad and right. curse or whatever. Right. I mean, yeah. I'm not saying you curse, but, right. you know, yes, that's what he does. Well, you know what happened to me yesterday? Oh, I was so mad. I'm driving down Spring Mill and they're painting the roads. Did not, the wind picked up and all that white paint went flying towards me. I couldn't even get out and look at my car. I'm like, are you kidding me right now? White paint everywhere. I'm like, oh my gosh. But yes. Powers and principalities. It to, is to, what we're fighting because right, he will. To set us off. Yes, right? to set us off because yeah. he loves to make us lose our temper in front of people who know that we're Christians. Right. Yeah. Because. Detours. Uh, detours, because yeah. then people will say, well, you're not a Christian. Right. Look at the way you just talked. Look at what you right. did. And I was reading about a Christian. Somebody said something bad about her years ago that she was stuck up and wouldn't take a picture with somebody. And now they are just really going against her. So this little girl who caused all this commotion, she's like 19 now, but went against somebody. One of the daughters of the Christian lady spoke out against her of what she had caused and done because her feelings got hurt when she was a kid. And then somebody came and said, oh, you're such a fine Christian, aren't you? Look at the way you're talking. It doesn't, if you're a Christian, you have the right to stick up for your family and friends. People don't think we should say or do anything. We should lay down and cower to evil. No. I mean, you have to definitely respect people. It's just crazy how everybody's feelings get hurt over anything. We're and not, then they go not, to destroy you. We're not doormats. Yes. Okay. Thank you. We're yeah, not we're not doormats. If somebody okay. says something wrong to me, I have the right to defend myself. Whether you like what I say or not. And that's where that's what Satan does. Yep. That is a fine example of how he attacks God's people, then, like I said earlier, it's so much harder for people to forgive Christians when they do something wrong than to forgive their friend who isn't a Christian when they... Why is that? Satan. Satan. Again, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness, in the heavenly places. Satan and these yet unbound angels have immense freedom to rove about at will. And that's the thing. He has freedom right now against all the earth. But one day, God's going to take that freedom. But he does have that freedom right now. And he's putting it to good use. He infiltrated Eden to seduce our parents. 
He confronted Christ in the Judean wilderness. He is even allowed limited access to stand before God and accuse believers. He does that right now. So when I lost my temper yesterday, I'm like, are you kidding me? (laughs) All that pain. He's going to go to God. Um, Some child she is, huh? Look at her. She just lost her temper. She's no Christian. And he goes before God and accuses us of things. Satan's angels imitate their master, working out their diabolical plots among us to undermine goodness and accomplish humanity's downfall. Satan's purpose. From the beginning, Satan's obsession has been the eradication of God's people. In Eden, he seduced the first couple into disobeying God, no doubt thinking God would destroy them for their disobedience. But to his dismay, God promised redemption to the couple and told Satan he would eventually be crushed by a descendant of the woman. Naturally, the devil began plotting to prevent the fulfillment of that prophecy. He learned from God's promise to Abraham that his nemesis would arise out of Israel. So he strove to abort the formation of that nation. He ignited in Esau's heart a murderous rage against Jacob, who would beget Israel's 12 tribes. But Esau failed to kill Jacob. So Satan induced Pharaoh to slaughter the male babies of the Israelites in Egypt and plot which Moses survived. Had Satan eradicated either Jacob or Moses, there would be no nation of Israel. During the reign of Judea's kings, Satan's scheme came with a hair breadth of succeeding. Knowing that the Messiah would emerge from the royal descendants of David, he set about to cut off that line. After the death of King Jehoshaphat, Satan incited a series of assassinations and eradicated all but one family of David's line, King Isaiah and his children. When Isaiah was also murdered, his mother, Athaliah, ordered all his royal hair slaughtered, her own grandchildren, and took the throne herself. Finally, Satan had succeeded. The royal line of David was ended and would never produce the Messiah, or so it seemed. But a sister to the murdered king managed to whisk away and hide his youngest son, Joss, until he could safely be revealed and crowned in the, as a rightful king. Again, Satan was thwarted and the line of the promised one preserved. Next, Satan provoked a high Persian official, Haman, to plot the mass extermination of all Jews. The brave Queen Esther, which I love her story. I know, me too. The brave Queen Esther exposed Haman's conspiracy, shattering Satan's scheme yet again. Despite the dragon's machinations, Christ was born. Frustrated but undaunted, Satan goaded the already evil Herod to slaughter all the baby boys of Bethlehem, thinking this insidious mass and facticide would take out the infant Christ. But through a dream, God directed Joseph to get the child out of Bethlehem before the killings began. The child was born and lived. As Jesus neared the end of his 40-day wilderness fast, Satan laid before him three successive temptations designed to destroy his redemptive mission. 
But using no weapon other than scripture, Jesus repelled Satan's attacks and sent him scurrying away in defeat. The devil made two more attempts on Jesus' life. He incited Nazareth's leaders to throw him off a cliff and the Pharisees to stone him. Jesus miraculously escaped both attempts. Finally, however, though, Satan succeeded. On Friday, before the Jewish Passover celebration, the hatred he infused into the hearts of the Jewish leaders finally paid off. He watched in gleeful triumph as they beat Jesus unmercifully and nailed his battered body to a cross to die. When the body was sealed in a tomb, Satan's victory was complete, or so he thought. He did not realize that Jesus' death was but the prelude to his resurrection, the event that would ensure Satan's ultimate doom. Amen, sister. Amen. That is Woo! That is amazing. Totally amazing. Some of those movies that they've created, they beat him. We can't even imagine actually how bad he was beaten and his flesh hanging off of his body. And what does he say on the cross? Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Do you think you and I would say that? Uh, No. (laughs) It is just amazing. Um, His love for us and his understanding, okay? Prayer makes the devil cringe. If you're going through a hard time, just put your hands together and say, Help me, God. And he knows what to do, and he'll take it from there. And it does help. And it puts the heavenly realm to work. They're waiting up there, looking down, waiting on you to ask for their help. Oh, I love that. That I know that I have all that power in me that I can have just fall down on me anytime I want it. As a child of God, any time, Father, bring the heavens down around me. And there they are. You'll have angels galore going before you and fighting. Always remember that, people. Always remember God loves you. Use his power that he gave you and decide that you're going to have a good day and have a good attitude no matter what you encounter. And sometimes it's hard, especially if it's a death. Or something like that. But boy, I tell you what, living in heaven. It'll be all worth it. It's going to be all worth it. Well, Miss Kay, the next time we're going to talk about the Great War. Woohoo! So, until next time. Have a great week. God bless you.